0: The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really
1: are. And the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. i show you how deep the rabbit hole is
0: The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I
2: occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world.
0: Hawkown Media presents Conspiracy Belt with PJ and Abby.
2: And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And that's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. It is what it is. Hi. Hey. Welcome to uh, another episode of Conspiracy Pilled. I'm here with my with, <laughs> with
0: this all good. I got this from here. Uh, welcome to another episode of Conspiracy Pilled. Everyone, the mostly hinged conspiracy <laughs> podcast. I'm PJ Williams and I guess Abby is PJ Williams today. <laughs> According to your screen, what is happening? I don't know. Abby's Abby was running late, so it's all good. And we have Jess in the studio as well. Jess from hey. lit another part of Hawkehound Media. So excited to have you here as well, Jess. Um,
3: so glad to be here.
0: <laughs> yeah. How was your drive? <laughs>
3: Very long.
0: But Very you know, long I'm here. Yeah.
3: The country roads took me home.
0: Take you home, Country Roads. That's right. I I like it. So welcome in, everybody, to our totally uh, professional production, totally hinged professional production that we got going on over here. Uh, We are going to be talking about... Uh, uh, project Stargate you know what's funny guys Abby texted me like an hour ago and she's like the last time that I came into an episode knowing this little <laughs> you did railians and we talked about UFO sex cults and I just texted her back you have no idea what you're getting into tonight it's <laughs> it's gonna be wild <laughs> I'm excited for this one are you excited I'm, Abby
2: I'm I'm scared I'm excited there's a lot going on over here um <laughs>
1: take it away pj all
0: right well before we get started i just want to shout out our uh locals community there's going to be another unhinged episode only on locals and of course if you guys subscribe in odyssey you can get them that way as well Uh, but we have some new subscribers we got grant van liz levinson dsab 23 maggie holt and king edward ftb thank you guys so much for your support and awesome. uh, be looking for either tomorrow night or Friday morning. We'll have another episode, and Katie Zed's going to be a part of that. So, getting the whole Hawk On Media team together this week.
1: <laughs> we're trying really hard to log into Odyssey, and we just can't remember any of our accounts. <laughs> so, to the Odyssey chat, we're so sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, well, while you figure that out and figure out the nameplate and all that stuff, I am going to start talking. (laughs) I'm going to start talking about Project Sargate, also known as CIA's remote viewing program, which had many, many names. And I'm just going to say this before we start. Um, I started reading Annie Jacobson's book Phenomena a few months ago, and I've been dying to do this episode for a while. And then I finished the book and I've been researching everything I can on this. And I just got to say There is an insanely too much amount of information here. So if I talk fast and I skip over like all of the sub project names a little bit like this, this project had like eight different names. Um, So I'm not going to go through every little iteration and every single person in the story because it's just way too big, but there's so much great stuff here. So if you like this podcast, you want more about it, I highly recommend, uh, highly recommend Annie Jacobson's book, Phenomenon. Uh, So let's get started. where all good conspiracy theories start the cold war. So this, <laughs> this is, is going to go back to our first episode a little bit about MK ultra is going to come into play. Uh, and I see people in the chat asking about project Bluebeam. Just wait, just wait, guys. No,
1: <laughs> there might be a
0: tie in is all I'm saying. So uh, in 1959, there was a ship called the Nautilus and this article came out about it, uh, about a secret government ESP program, which appeared in a French magazine called constellation, the article was entitled Thought Transfer Weapon of War. and It was written by journalist and former French resistance spy Jacques Berger. Berger? Stinking French names. I don't know. Jacques uh, that, Berger. <laughs> Jacques Berger. We'll go with that. He reported that ESP tests had been conducted aboard the world's first nuclear powered submarine, the USS Nautilus, the year before. And they were using this technique called the sender receiver method and Zenner cards. So, do you know what Zenner cards are? No idea. Have you ever seen? Well, I shouldn't ask you this. Jess, have you ever seen Ghostbusters?
3: Oh yeah. Who hasn't seen Ghostbusters? Except Abby
0: after? hasn't. I don't even have to ask her. I know she hasn't. <laughs> all right. So in the beginning of Ghostbusters, they have that part where Bill Murray's character is, is uh, having people look at card, or he's looking at a card and they have to guess what card he's looking at. So they got like all these different shapes and stuff. Those are called Zenner cards. They would, what people would use to see if they had psychic abilities. Right? so, uh, they were using the center receiver method with Zener cards. Basically, someone would look at the Zener card and then the other person would have to write down what was being like what Zener cards they had and they would keep track and compare notes afterwards. And this submarine was, it, it was basically the U S military was trying to prove that long distance telepathy was possible through thousands of miles of ice and seawater. Cause the Nautilus was underneath the polar ice cap at the time that these tests were being conducted. Now, what's interesting about this, like a lot of other cold war stories is we don't know if this happened or not. Basically it's debated to this day, whether it was not a hoax and whether or not the French magazine was basically trying to scare the Soviets, but the Soviets took it seriously and they began their own ESP research, which prompted us to do our own real ESP research. So it's very similar to MK that way. It's like, we think that they're, trying to brain control and mind or mind control and brainwash people. So we're going to do it because we think they're doing it. Um, but in 1960, Dr. Leonard L. Volasev, I don't know. Uh, Russia's le- <laughs> what's uh, I can't read last names guys. I'm sorry. Russia's leading ESP researcher uh, said, quote, we carried out extensive and until now complete unreported investigations under the Stalin regime. Today, the American Navy is testing telepathy on their atomic sub on their atomic submarines. Soviet scientists conducted a great many successful telepathy tests over a quarter of a century ago. It's urgent that we throw off our prejudices. We must plunge into the uh, exploration of this vital field. So obviously, the US government followed suit and now we've got Russia and America definitely delving deep into ESP research and if you guys are familiar with, you know, like Stalinist Soviet Russia and their belief system, I mean, this was an atheistic regime. Right. So like they they went into great depths of detail to try to be like, this is very scientific. We're not, uh, you know, this is, we don't believe in mediums and spirits and things like that. They just they actually believed that there was some type of like low frequency wave that humans could tap into another sixth sense, like just something completely scientific to communicate thought. Um, And the Americans tried to follow suit, but didn't always uh, keep it within the bounds of science as much as uh, weirdness. So
2: I have seen one movie
1: in my life and it's (laughs) mean girls. And I love the line where they're like, it's like I have ESPN or something.
0: (laughs) She can tell if it's raining. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) I have three sisters. So I have seen that movie. (laughs) Anyway, uh, thanks. That, that was a good reference. That was a good reference. The Abby's one movie reference. That's the only one you guys will ever get. So
1: I've seen this movie because she she grows up in Africa and then she goes to school and this is literally my life. So
0: <laughs> shouldn't you be black if you grew up? In, how's that line? Peter, you
1: can't just ask people why they're not black. <laughs>
0: Sorry. 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 All right. So I said this. Hey, is tie got it. <laughs> yeah, I got it right before I even said it. She was the girl from Africa. That movie is based on your life, isn't it? Yeah. Did you ever push your enemies in front of a bus? That's the important no, question.
2: No comment.
0: No comments. <laughs> All right. So obviously the question is did ESP research start in 1960? Like did the Russians doing it? They thought we were doing it and then they definitely did it. So did we follow suit or did this? Go back further. And I'm going to go back a little bit further. And I said this was going to tie into MK Ultra. So we're going to talk about one of the many, 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 many subprojects of MKUltra. This one's called MKUltra Subproject 58. And this took place in 1956. And it was an expedition headed by Gordon Wasson for the purpose of studying and collecting hallucinogenic species of mushrooms. So if you guys remember like Project Artichoke and some of the earlier iterations of MKUltra, it wasn't just about brainwashing they're also trying to develop a, a truth serum and they started looking for this thing known as god's flesh or teonanaka uh, which was considered a holy sacrament by the aztecs and were consumed during spiritual and divinatory rituals to induce hallucinatory visions so the cia starts looking for this myth, mythical mushroom and at this time like they didn't even know if it existed it existed in aztec lore it existed in like folk tale like fairy folk tales from like Ireland and, and Germany and things like that. But they didn't know if there was really a, a magical mushroom that they would use in potions for divination outside of that. Uh, but the CIA decided to look for it and they had two purposes in finding it, which was a for the development of truth serum and two to gain, uh, to give users the power of divination. So they were already into some kind of ESP weird stuff. If you guys really study MK Ultra, that it, it's way beyond just the mind control stuff. And this whole thing's going to link into a lot of famous names. And the first one that's going to come up here is this whole thing was sponsored by J.P. Morgan. <laughs> of course.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <So. laughs> and this leads us to our first psychic researcher, a guy named Andre Puharik. And he was a medical and parapsychological researcher, a medical inventor, and a physician and author. He did So he didn't just do like crazy stuff, which he did a lot of crazy stuff, but he also patented a type of hearing aids and a method and apparatus for splitting water molecules. So he's got a whole bunch of like legitimate patents under his belt. Uh, But he also was really, really into ESP research and UFOs and the occult and weird swinger sex parties, possibly. With a lot of drugs.
1: <laughs> Why are all your episodes about weird sex stuff, PJ?
0: It's not my fault that all the elites are into weird sex stuff. You you covered your episode like
1: don't turn this back on me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you you're the one who did the Adrenochrome episode. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, so uh, this is Andrew Paharik is the guy who helped Wasson find and study Tionanaka, which turned out to be a real uh, mushroom. Uh, I think they found it somewhere in Mexico. And another famous name coming up here. He decided to basically test like what the properties were in this mushroom and come up with an antidote. If people took it and one of the people he tested this magical mushroom on was Aldous Huxley. And this was the, the test where Aldous Huxley got really high off of magic mushrooms and wrote the book doors to perception, which is pretty famous. So we talked about that on the adrenochrome episode as well. So, um, And this guy, Puharik, uh, he went on to create this foundation called the Roundtable Foundation. And this took place, this was in Maine, and he wanted to basically build a lab to study parapsychology. And in December of 1948, so this actually goes back, this is before the mushroom stuff. The mushroom stuff was part of the uh, Roundtable, but going back to the beginning of it, you know, this starts in December of 1948 when he gets his first break when a neighbor named Roy Hines gives him the use of his barn as a laboratory, which <laughs> sounds super legit. It's like Frankenstein vibes is what it gives me. I don't know. Uh, and then his next break came with a rich benefactor to help him with his research. One Alice Aston Bouverie, who is the daughter of John Jacob Astor, IV who died on the Titanic and left her $5 million. So I thought that was a nice tie back to two episodes ago. Okay. We got JP Morgan and Astor in this episode, just like the Titanic one uh-huh. are all involved in this.
1: We, <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. So uh, they basically start building this, this round table, like basically a bunch of East coast elites get together. A lot of really rich, famous people start meeting at his house and they're doing (laughs) Can you go ahead and read this super chat from Jess really quick, then I'll continue I think you have to sing it. I think take
2: me home to the place I belong West Virginia
0: (laughs) thanks for the super chat Jess (laughs) <laughs> my uh, my why why my, is karaoke becoming more and more a part of our live <laughs> podcast?
2: My mic very conveniently came unplugged at the beginning of that. Yeah, yeah,
0: very, convenient. very conveniently. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically, all these East Coast elites are meeting up at Puharik's house, and uh, they're talking about ESP and you know all these psychological research studies and things that they want to get into. And one of the first things they do is they build a Faraday cage. And are you familiar with what a Faraday cage is?
2: Yes, it's it's to block out all of the
0: signals and electrical impulses and
2: yeah, to protect the thing in it. So the idea for conspiracy theorists, the application is like if 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 there's an EMP from somewhere, if you have all your stuff in a Faraday cage, it would protect it.
0: Right. And it's used by the military for that. But uh, psychic researchers started using this because the thought was that they wanted to make sure there was no like electronical device interference. And also they could eliminate a lot of possibilities for what ESP could be. So like if it, if ESP still worked inside of a Faraday cage, they knew it wasn't certain frequencies and wave, radio waves and stuff, all, all that. Um, but mostly I think it was just to block out any cheating that could be possible through like, you know, electric devices and stuff like that. So um. Anyway, so they build this Faraday cage, and they start putting people in other rooms. One in the Faraday cage, and they're using Zener cards, and they're projecting thoughts uh, and testing us out. And the experiments were so su- so successful at this Roundtable Foundation that they attracted the interest of the U.S. Department of the Army. An American Colonel Jack Stanley and French General J.C. Sousy came to the Roundtable to express interest of their uh, respective governments as a result of this visit. Andrea was invited to present his new data on telepathy at a meeting sponsored by the office of the chief psychological warfare U S army at the Pentagon on November 24th, 1952. So again, all of this is predating that report that the the Russians got in 59. Um, So basically this all sets up what Puhark became most famous for, which happens next when he, at a conference in New York on November 19th of 1970, was first had first heard of a guy named Yuri Geller. So Yuri Geller is this former paratrooper in the Israeli army. He's like 23 years old at the time. And he had an interesting childhood. At the age of seven, he discovered that he could move the hands of his watch by wishing them to move. And he would also make his friends draw pictures and write numbers on blackboards. And while he was blindfolded, he would guess what they had written and he didn't know how he did this. He just, because, because the words psychokinesis and telepathy were not known to him or not popularized at the time, I guess in Israel. Um, but by 1970, he had become a full-time entertainer. He would go in front of large audiences and he would bend spoons with his mind and he would stop clocks and, And these things supposedly can all be explained by uh, by like sleight of hand, which sounds really weird, like the spoon thing. And we'll get into the spoon stuff more because it's like one of the most contested parts of Uri Geller. Like some people say that they've tested him where they made him like not ever touch the spoon. Like he has to touch it physically to make it bend at first, but they would like make him not use his hands. Like he would just tap it with his toe and it would bend. And then Benjamin Netanyahu himself has claimed to see Uri Geller like, send out a wave and bend all the spoons in a room. So,
1: why
2: is
3: it always spoons?
0: It's always spoons. Well, like, some people come up to him with ladles and forks and stuff like that, but it's pretty much always spoons.
3: Because demons don't <clears throat> like forks.
0: <laughs> all right. So, the spoon bending thing aside, uh, <laughs> in, in September of 1970, he was doing a show in Tel Aviv. And this is where his heart started racing. And he was like kind of freaking out. He like sat down on the stage in the middle of the show and started to apologize to the crowd for the interruption. And he told the audience that he had just had a vision. And in this vision, the president of Egypt had either just died or was about to. And at this time, like a, a reporter that was in the audience, like ran outside and got on the phone and the, came back. He's like, well, he's not dead. Like I checked, there's no news about it. And the audience seemed kind of annoyed. But by that night, like late that night, news broke that the president of Egypt had died that evening around the time that Yuri Geller was doing his magic performance. And oh. this caused Puharik. This is how Puharik had heard of him. And he, it caused him to approach him. And he gets the CIA director to sign off on bringing him into the U.S. for testing. So I don't have to time to go into all Puharik's stuff, but obviously worked with the CIA a little bit in the MK ultra stuff, but they never gave him clearance to know that it was MK ultra. He just knew he was getting mushrooms for the government and he didn't know like why essentially like, he was looking for him for other reasons. He was trying to give them to his psychic friends to see if that made them have extra powers. So his interest just ended up crossing over the CIA, but he made connections and gets the CIA director to sign off on bringing Yuri Geller to the States. And in November of 1972, Yuri ends up at this place called SRI, which we'll talk about more in a minute, but Uh, this is, and he goes through some tests that are overseen by this guy named kit green and kit green brings him in. He sweeps the lab for bugs. He checks Yuri for any devices and he even consults a magician to make sure that there's no trickery going on. Basically like, Hey, you would know what to look for and signs and tells and things like that. Like help us come up with tests that a magician can't break. And the first one in and of itself is kind of genius. They put a die inside of a sealed box and they shake it. So there's no interference. No way to know like no one even the testers can see the box. They shake the box and then he has to tell them which one is facing up and they open the top of the box and they can see it and uh, he basically Yuri does this correct eight times in a row and the statistical odds of that are literally one in one million, but that's not all they do. So they do a test number two. They have 10 aluminum film canisters and they put an object in just one of them and he has to guess which one has the object and. And he gets it correct 12 times without any error, which is one in one trillion odds. But side note, he did decline to answer twice. So he answered 12 times, got it right every time he answered. And two times he refused to answer. He, like there's some kind of interference. He couldn't tell. And those were the only two objects that were, ever, that were wrapped in paper. So I have no idea why that is, but the two objects are wrapped in paper. He could not see for some reason. So depending on how you would imagine remote viewing to work, I don't know, but that that was the, the one thing that stopped it. So, then they do a test number three, and this one's even weirder. He affects the reading of a magnetometer just by sitting next to it. Then... So some, some, some accounts at this point say that test four is him bending spoons. And I, I'm not going to talk about it much because basically like depending on who you listen to, they're like, no, he was really bending spoons and it freaked us out or people like it was fake, but it's really hard to tell. There's so many stories of the spoon bending and some people are very convinced by it. And and there are other magicians who use this thing called like press or something like that, like basically tricks with the fingers to bend a spoon, but it doesn't look like they're making it bend. A lot of the accounts have him bending spoons where like he'll hold the spoon and then he'll set the spoon down and it'll start bending after he sets it down. So it really just depends on who you believe. Um, there's also other people. We'll, we'll talk more about spoon bending later, but uh, test four uh, is he stacks. They take stacks of double sealed envelopes and each contain index cards with different drawings. They're then locked in a safe and that re- researchers did not have the combination to the Researchers then choose one envelope at random. They look at the picture, they seal it back up with with Yuri sitting in a different room. Then they come and sit down next to him and don't say anything, but he has to read their mind and draw a copy of the picture. He does this seven times. Each time, he drew a near perfect reproduction of the image. Seven times. I don't even know what the the statistical odds of that are because it's just like astronomical. But uh, we got we have one more test. What's your thoughts on this so far?
2: It reminds me of that Bible story of the girl with the demon who was being used for prophecy. <coughs> I'm I'm looking up now to find it.
0: Yeah, look that up while I'm talking about this, because there is uh, <laughs> there's some demon stuff that's coming up. I'll just tell you that much. Um, man, there's a lot of weird stuff here. And by the way, I just want to remind you guys really quick, um, that. If you have any questions or any interesting things to say, I'm probably not going to notice it because I got so many things to get through now but Abby will save them and when we go over to Rumble and Odyssey later, we'll bring up the questions and stuff because this story has so much to it and I'd love to hear what your guys thoughts are and what you think. So if you can uh, don't forget to follow us over on Rumble or on Odyssey uh, to get the full show and we head over there and just talk with the audience at the end of this. All right. so test five Yuri takes a Uh, Yuri is inside a double-walled, soundproof, electrically shielded room, so a Faraday cage. Uh, Researchers in a different room choose a word out of the dictionary at random, then they draw a picture of that word. Then they tell Yuri over an intercom when that picture's done, and he has to draw his own replica. The first one is a firecracker, and before he even draws, he's like, I'm seeing a cylinder with noise coming out of it. And then he draws something that looks like a firecracker. Then he, he, the next one's grapes. And in the picture that's drawn is exactly 24 grapes. And he draws exactly 24 grapes. He gets it right every time, except twice. And both times there was, it was drawn by a research that he didn't like. And Each time he guessed that he couldn't get it right because the researcher was whoever this unnamed guy is that Yuri did not like. So he's able to tell that he can't guess it because the guy drawing it is like interrupting his whatever. So final report after. Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
2: Was the the guy drawing it a Christian?
0: That's what I want to know. I legitimately want to know if like there was if like if Yuri's using demons, well, actually I didn't put this in my notes, but let's talk about this really quick. So in on Yuri there's this whole huge story about uh, like before any of this 1972 SRI testing takes place when him and uh, Andre Puharik are hanging out doing their own tests. And in it, uh, he talks about, let me see if I can find this. Um. There's a lot of stuff about UFOs, but in here somewhere, he talks about uh, basically having some thing speak through him. Here it goes. One day when Yuri was was in a deep hypnotic trance, the voice spoke through him and delivered the following message. It was us who found Yuri in the garden when he was three. He is our helper sent to help man. We programmed him in the garden for many years to come, but he was also programmed not to remember. This was him in a trance. Speaking about another voice. And here's another thing. So according to Andre's book, they both started to see UFOs repeatedly. And not only that, they also received messages from an extraterrestrial intelligence on a tape recorder, which started and stopped by itself. After Andrea had listened to the tapes, the cassette would be erased or taken out without anyone touching the tape recorder. Uh, yeah. So there's like going back before this, there's some pretty like demonic sounding stuff going with Yuri Geller and Andrea, uh, Andrea Puharic. Um, wow. and they're not the only, they're not the only ones in this story. So I was, that was my same question to him. Like, did he not like this guy because this guy had faith and it blocked like whatever demonic presence came right. to Yuri at three years old. Like that was my thought as well. So hmm. Yeah. It doesn't say it. I don't think the. I've looked at the reports. There's like, here's the thing about this. Everything I'm talking about is either firsthand accounts from people who are there. And most of it is actual CIA documents. A lot of this was declassified in 2000. So this is, there's way more, like these tests that I'm talking about right now, I looked at the documents that, that tell you all of this stuff. Like these are actual documents from SRI, uh, which was funded by the CIA. So let's talk about SRI really quick. So, Oh wait, I had one more thing. The final report after eight days of tests, Yuri uh, had quote demonstrated his paranormal perceptual ability in a convincing and unambiguous manner. That's what they came up with is like this guy has paranormal abilities. So SRI, who was doing these tests, also known as Stanford Research Institute at the time, which later became like SRI International, was an American nonprofit scientifical research institute and organization headquartered in Menlo Park, California. And it was home to a lot of government-funded programs. Uh, majority of their funding came from the DoD. It actually split with Stanford when the students started protesting because they realized that the Stanford Institute was helping the Army during the Vietnam War. So they're like, "We don't want this part of our college helping, you know, Uncle Sam." They are you know, Vietnam protesters. So <clears throat> that's kind of why they originally split. Then, uh, so at this time, Hal Putoff, who's another name that comes up a lot in this. He he worked for SRI and he was studying another psychic named Ingo Swan. And Hal Putoff also wanted to come up with a fail-safe uh psych- psychokinesis experiment. Some people did not believe the results, obviously, of <clears throat> of uh Yuri Geller, right? They always they try to come up with what? What did I miss?
1: I just 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 like some people didn't believe the results. Like I don't know.
0: Like <laughs> I mean, it's pretty fantastic results if you're like in a lab with a bunch of scientists and it's like, you know, double blind and all that stuff.
1: Some weirdos didn't believe the results of these tests. <laughs> I don't know why. Was...
0: Yeah, it was kind of funny. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so <laughs> some weirdos didn't believe in, you know, <laughs> remote viewing or something. <laughs> bunch of backwards Hicks or something. Uh, so <laughs> Who are you
1: calling backwards Hicks?
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: So All right. Please continue. some people Peter. did not believe
0: these results. So Hal put off wanted to create a failsafe psychokinesis experiment, one that no one could deny. And he found he was able to get his hands on a superconducting shielded magnetometer. And this was used for looking at subatomic particles known as quarks and it was designed to look at the decay in a magnetic field. So Swan was asked to perturb the magnetometer. But when Swan showed up on site, what are you guys laughing at? Lola PJ mansplaining. Oh yeah. So if you guys missed it um, on Twitter today, if today's international women's day, and I promised that for international women's day, I would mansplain this entire episode to Abby. So uh, this, this goes out to all the women out there who need, who need some mansplaining in their life. So just doing doing my part, guys. Well, anyway. <laughs> all right, but for real, could you actually like make make a sandwich while I man's playing the rest of this episode?
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> what are we supposed to say? I don't mean to be talking to over you. I have like
0: what? Twi- I have like 20 pages of notes. I'm trying to get. Through.
1: All right. All right. Go. Go. Come on. P J, <laughs> <laughs> Get it together.
0: <laughs> okay. So Swan was asked to pertur- perturb the magnetometer. But when S- but Swan got to the site, he noted that it was nowhere to be seen. And in fact, it was five feet below him buried in concrete. So they wouldn't even tell him what it looked like. Like the design was so top secret that no one had ever seen. It It had never been made public. And he was he felt like he was set up to fail. He's like, how can I how can I affect this thing with telepathy or whatever? or psychokinesis if I don't even know what I'm looking for. So he got frustrated, but he didn't want to walk off because he knew that people would say that he was a fraud. So he started what he said, what he called probing, like searching around for something in the ground beneath him mm-hmm. and nothing happened for a while. But then he, he asked for a piece of paper. He started sketching and basically he showed him the He's like, is this what the magnetometer looks like? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's what it looks like. As soon as they said, yes, the magnetometer needle moved. It had been running for over an hour before this test without moving at all. There was like one of those sheets printing off with like the line on it, like a polygraph. <clears throat> so then uh, he moved it again. And at this point, one of the doctoral students was so freaked out. He ran out of the room and smashed his head on a support beam. Afterwards, they went out to dinner, him uh, put, uh, put off and, and Ingo Swan went out to dinner and the recorder was left running all night. And when they came back in the morning, no disturbances on it at all, all night long. Just the two times, two, one, two, the two times that he said that he was going to affect it and did. So uh, after this, Swan began researching the process of remote viewing for SRI. So he starts working with and or for SRI. By the way, I know Jess is sitting behind you. Are you familiar with this whole like magnetometer stuff and quirks and things like that?
3: Well, quarks, yes. Magnetometers, no. It makes me wonder if the guy had a magnetic field around him, which makes me think it's demonic possession.
0: Well, the further we get into this, I think the more you'll believe this is a lot of demonic possession going on. So, um, but whatever it is, like, here's the thing I want to point out. Like, you guys don't have to believe if you don't want, but whatever it is, this is like super documented. And there's so many examples of people doing things that are completely unexplainable that it's almost impossible not to believe that these things really happen. So, uh, so anyway, after this point, Swan began researching the process of remote viewing at Stanford Institute. And he basically came up with the idea of what they now call CRV, which is coordinate remote viewing. I'm so So, done with this misinformation. I'm done. What? Yeah, I think I think John's right. It, it, this is all the work of the dark Lord Ron Weasley. So <laughs> appreciate that one, John. <laughs> all right. So in this in this CRV, a pair of scientists would drive out to a randomly chosen location and Ingo would stay at the lab and draw pictures of what they were seeing. And he did it so well that they needed to actually up the ante. So at this point, Kit Green, who was the CIA overseer, um, he walks out into the hallway and asks the first person he sees to think of a location and write down its coordinates. So the guy comes back to him with coordinates. He goes in and gives the coordinates to Ingo. Who's locked in a Faraday cage at the time during this whole thing. He can't, he's like out, not out wandering around, like looking over people's shoulders. And he then tries to project himself to the coordinates as des- and describe what he sees. And he says he sees rolling Hills. He sees highways to the West a river to the East, cities to the north and south and a circular driveway with a flagpole in the middle. Then he starts saying, I think this might be a military base. And I think there's something underground. And this whole process took six minutes. So put off, gets a call the next day. Um, he, Cause he hasn't, he, the guy, I guess the other guy like went home or something. I don't know what happened. Like he didn't ask the other guy if he was correct or not. He was yet. So the next day he gets this call from this man named Pat price and there's this whole story in the book of how he originally meets Pat Price. He's like this Christmas tree salesman who comes up to them to Ingo Swan and 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 put off and he's just like, "Hey, are you guys doing research into psychic stuff?" It's like it's just like really weird. Like the guy basically claimed to be a psychic and knew what they were doing and they were, they're kind of freaked out by it. So I guess they gave him this guy's number as a potential psychic viewer. For the future, but that was six months ago. So now the day after all this happens, Pat Price just calls up put off and the first thing he says is I can help and just on a whim. He decides to give Pat Price these coordinates and write down what he sees. So Price gives him an even more detailed description of the site <clears throat> and he says that he believes this was a former missile test site and the code name is Sugar Grove. And he also is able to see inside the underground bunker. So he's able to go beyond what Ingo Swan can do. He talks about the file cabinets, the floor layouts, the name plates, gives names on the name plates, the color of the file cabinets. And he says there's a document on a desk against the North wall labeled operation pool, something I can't read the rest. That's what he says. So after all this, after all this. Oh, do we have another YouTube membership?
2: Yeah. Second YouTube member ever. Shout out to Josh Wilson. Thank you so much for joining the mostly hinged support group.
0: Yeah. I love Josh for someone who doesn't even exist. He lives in Australia and according to the flat earthers, he doesn't exist. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's more of a fed than any of you guys here. I appreciate you, Josh. Thank you for that. Uh, you guys, if you do the YouTube membership, you get uh, emotes and all that stuff. So drop some of those in chat. Let, let's see what they look like. Um. So anyway, go through the whole thing basically. So now put off takes uh, swan and prices readings, which are almost the same, and he goes. He go- you guys laughing over there. So like, getting
1: to me. I'm <laughs> so sorry. The chat is the super
0: so serious funny. guys. The chat is hilarious. <laughs> chat is hilarious. <laughs> I apologize I to, to,
3: Virginia to ruin your stream.
0: No, no, I just feel bad that I'm like rushing through. I've just got like this so much here. So I apologize chat.
1: No, you just keep going. We're going to keep laughing at the chat. <laughs> you, guys, just... you
0: guys just yeah. Keep the yeah. So anyway, <laughs>
1: he's like keep it up, but stop <laughs> <laughs> gets
0: for mansplaining to us. Look, I've got, I gotta get, I gotta get this mansplaining in. I can't let these women talk on in International Women's Day. That would be, you know, that's, that's like work and you're supposed to have, a, it's like a day of rest for you guys, I hear. So,
1: ah, yeah, ah I
0: see, yeah. I see. Unless I see. you're making sandwiches, which that's fine. That's Please permitted.
1: Just continue. <laughs> Didn't you say you had a lot of notes to get through?
0: I did say that at one point. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes these, he takes the, the description from Ingo Swan and Pat price back to the guy who wrote the coordinates down and they're both wrong. It was the guy's cabin. And so put offs like this is weird. How did these two people who don't know each other do these remote viewings get extremely detailed looks at something that's the same. So he decides to drive to these coordinates and he sees the cabin and he keeps driving. And just down the road is a military base. So secret that the other guy in the CIA that gave him the coordinates didn't know it existed just down the road from his cabin and this place is also is the name was sugar grove as the guy said and the details were so accurate that this triggered an espionage investigation into sri and it was this whole long investigation but they were cleared of all crimes but basically the guy knew names of people he knew the the color of the filing cabinets he knew the names of projects they were working on so the military's freaked out at this point going, oh my gosh, these remote viewers can actually compromise national security. So after this, Pat Price is brought into the program. He's also tested on coordinates and in his first test of coordinates, he gets seven hits Two are neutral where it's like, I don't know if he's really seeing what we're trying to get him to see. And then he had one miss, Uh, but then they started testing him more the way they did with Ingo Swan. They started driving to locations and price was really good at this. Like people would drive out to locations like, it doesn't matter, and he would tell them exactly what they saw. And he would—they actually would record it while the person was out. They would set up a time, like three p.m. You're going to remote view this guy and tell us what he sees, and then he would come back. And he was doing it so well that they—he's like Kit Green is like this guy might be cheating. I have to figure out a way to throw him off. So instead of driving to the location, because he would get in his car, <clears throat> unseal an envelope as he was driving down the road and go, okay, this is where I got to go. He decides to throw him off and not go to where the envelope says, and instead he drives, he sees a church on the side of the road and he pulls over and he waits till three o'clock or whatever the time was. And he decides to walk into the church and walk around and talk to the, I think it was a Catholic church. So he talks to the, the father there and goes back, finds out that price had a literal heart attack and price is like writhing on the floor when he finally like gets over this actual heart attack that he's having he tells him in great detail where he was and he calls it the most terrible building he's ever seen in his life. Like this guy could not handle remote viewing kit green inside of a church. So talking about more demonic stuff. Uh, I don't know. That part stuck out to me. It's one that most people never talk about when it comes to this stuff, but that one really stuck out to me. So what's your guys thoughts so far?
2: It's it's crazy. I, I appreciate that. It's so well documented. Because otherwise it would be just difficult <clears throat> to swallow.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it does almost sound made up, but there's like, you know, tons of government money going into this tons of documents. I mean, literally a million documents have been declassified around all of these different programs over yeah. the last 20 years. Uh, there are still parts that are classified and some of those actually have to do with Pat price. Um, so at this point uh, in 1974, after they hire uh, Pat Price on. Are you familiar with Patty Hearst? Do you know who that is?
2: No, I don't.
0: Um, <laughs> I don't think lit or Abby's been listening at all. Thanks, Josh. I don't think they're listening either. <laughs> you know, that's what happens when you mansplain <laughs> things. That's just
2: yeah. Women just kind of tune it.
0: Yeah. So Patty Hearst was the heiress to the newspaper empire, like the one that uh, Citizen Kane was based on. anyway. So at, What's that? 19- <laughs> It's a movie, right? <laughs> yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. The Hearst family comes up in a lot of conspiracy stuff. So uh, anyway, Patty Hearst was the heiress to the newspaper empire. She disappeared from her apartment in 1974 and they local police in Burbank, California decided that they had heard about SRI and they reached out to see if they get help. And at this point, uh, Pat price looks into looks through mugshots, and he identifies the kidnappers. And he goes on to say one of them, one of the, kid, the kidnappers he calls Lobo had a tooth pulled without anesthesia recently. And that he doesn't, he's, he's not able to like fully help them catch these guys exactly because when he's remote viewing Patty Hearst, he sees her in a closet, but he can't seem to zoom out and see the building. But when the dust settles and all this is done, uh, turns out everything he gave them was true. He named all three mugshots were right. The guy, Lobo did have a tooth pull without anesthesia a few days before, like details of the closet, like all this stuff. And, and we don't know all the details of this case, but the police do have a, a, in the report said, quote, a significant amount of data uh, for the investigation came from, from Pat price. So he was able to help them quite a bit. It seems. Uh, And after this point, his fame continues to grow. He starts getting passed around to all these different agencies Uh, Some of the cases and documents that he worked on are still classified to this day, but we know that he located submarines for the Navy. He looked inside of a secret Soviet testing facility, and he worked on a secret op with the NSA in Africa. That's all that's known about that one. That one's classified outside of like that that it happened. Uh, And then in 1975, he was directly brought on by the CIA as an asset. He's the only one of these people in SRI or in any of this that was directly brought on as an agent by the CIA. Uh, and he dies within a matter of months under suspicious circumstances. After working for the CIA, he supposedly died from a heart attack, but there was no autopsy done because a mysterious man showed up at the hospital and convinced the people there not to do an autopsy, but just to cremate him instead. And they just do like this guy doesn't flash a badge, doesn't give any authority. He just tells him to do this and they just cremate this dude uh, wasn't in his will. Just is just, yeah, weird. So Some people think that the Russians killed him. Some people think that he faked it. The CIA faked his death and the cremation was to cover up evidence. I kind of think it might be that because I think this guy was like went deep CIA after this, but I don't know. Uh. There's some other there's some other weird stuff because this guy was also a Scientologist and right after the disappearance of him is when they started like Have you ever heard of Operation Snow White vaguely it's where they found out that the scientology had infiltrated like all of these government agencies and they ended up taking like 16 truckloads of documents out of the Los Angeles Scientology church alone and like Australia like kicked out the scientologists like completely because they were infiltrating every government around the world like it was pretty intense like like they were their own CIA essentially just infiltrating wow. everybody so some people think that maybe Pat Price got some of his information through through that, but it doesn't explain all of it. Some people think that's how he got the original blueprints for sugar grove or something like that. But
2: so what you're saying is it's either demons or this is this has all been a giant <clears throat> episode of psych.
0: Well, not all of it, but I think I, I, I haven't heard I, about the <laughs> Sorry, what Jess? You unplugged your mic. I can't hear her.
2: Pineapple, where's the pineapple, PJ?
0: <laughs> I watched Psych in a, in a while. I forgot there was like a pineapple in every every episode, right? Yeah, basically. Okay. Anyway, I don't know where the pineapple is. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know Pat Price. It's just weird. Like the guy, maybe he was demon possessed. I think he was. Maybe he worked for, uh, you know, he was a deep cover asset for Scientology. Maybe it was both. I don't know. Um, but weird stuff all the way around. So at the time that all of this crap was happening with Pat Price, there was another star of the the other like star of the SRI Institute's research into parapsychology was Yuri Geller. and he had an incident as well. So there was a group of nuclear scientists who were studying him, and they started seeing terrifying images at night. One of them saw a disembodied arm floating above his bed. And <laughs> this next part, I swear to you is real. And it jumped out at me so much. So here's your, here, here, here it is guys in a declassified document. This nuclear scientist for the CIA speculates that this could be DARPA's new drone and hologram technology being tested on him. I'm not making that up. The nuclear Scientists believe that DARPA in the 1970s had drones and hologram technology so good that they could convince them that floating ghost arms were, were hovering above their bed in the middle of the night. PJ. I, the
3: planes were not holograms.
0: <laughs> I'm not
3: talking about the
0: planes. I'm talking about the arms. The arms in the UFOs. <laughs> oh, I love you, Jess. <laughs> <You> oh, <guys. laughs>
1: he hates me, but he loves you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wasn't even going with the planes. I'm just saying Project Bluebeam looking looking more plausible all the time. So,
1: <laughs> all right, well, <clears> let <throat> us know when you're done uh, mansplaining holograms to us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you see, a hologram is... <laughs> And man ex- mansplaining means man explaining. that wasn't clear.
1: <laughs> <So>. All right. <laughs> so the- we really don't need this guy. <laughs> all right. Well,
0: <laughs> you guys, all right over there? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Please continue.
0: No, go ahead. Tell me. <laughs> Tell the me what you think.
1: The show, not the oh. mansplaining.
3: <laughs> the show is man. Right
1: now, though, <laughs>
2: it so I th- I think what I c- keep going back to is is how did the government even know to hire these people, and and what what is it about a government official in, in these programs that says you know what I'm going to do I'm going to go seek out the kookiest craziest person who's obviously you know who's either like to take the to even choose <gasps> to take the risk on whether or not it's just a trick or if it's if it's real. And to go seek out those people, and then use taxpayer dollars to pay them.
0: Right. Well, <laughs> at this programs. point, at this point, most of these people were coming in through either through their fame amongst the the certain circles, you know, like the Andrea Puharek circles and things like that. So these people would find other people, maybe they're stage magicians or things like that. So uh-huh. I didn't have time to go into the backstories of all of them, but Ingo Swan was a pretty famous, uh, you know psychic things like that. Uh so but it gets it, they change how they do this later cuz so far this is still a this is still not an official government thing. This is being funded by the government through a research lab that's looking into parapsychology. So the government's funding okay. it in part but they're not official government employee. The CIA is overseeing it. it's weird. Anyway, okay. so With this Yuri Geller thing these at this point two of these scientists are so freaked out that they quit their careers and then Kit green couldn't find any logical explanation for how any of this happened include you know he just had nothing and he he started to theorize that Yuri could be an agent for Mossad and was conducting a psychological operation. So his Kit greens idea was that (sighs) it's he act. No, this is not a joke. He thought it was holograms, but the Mossad was doing it. So uh, basically, at this point, Yuri had been working for SRI for a few years, two years, I think, but he hadn't quite got his green card yet, so they just deported him. They just deported him back to Israel. Side note, it's never been proven that Yuri works for the Mossad, but the dude works for the Mossad. Like this is like later in life, he's like in and out of Benjamin Net- Netanyahu's like home all the time. Like you just walk in. So he, it seems like Annie Jacobson who traveled around with him, he'd like they'd go to places and then he would disappear, Like he was maybe gathering information in an alley and then come back and hang out. And then he took her to see Benjamin Netanyahu. And then him and Benjamin disappeared. Like he was giving him information. I think the guy's Mossad, it was pretty. And at one point he kind of said it to her without saying it to her. So if, if he was Mossad at this time, I don't know, but later in life, definitely a Mossad agent. So I think they had probable cause. Uh, but anyway, so at this point the CIA threatens to shut down the whole funding over this Yuri Geller thing and the Pat price stuff. And, uh, unless they can find a military use for psychics and they start to rebrand as an army intelligence program and they title it operation grill flame. Originally it was called like gondola wish. I'm not going to go through all the names because it just takes too much time. It gets passed around between the CIA and the DIA and the army in such a confusing mess of ways over the next 23 years or whatever it was 20 years. Uh, it's had a bunch of names, but right now it's essentially being called Operation Grill Flame. And the Army wants to find soldiers who have latent psychic abilities and train them to use it on the battlefield. And they start combing through 1,000 different people. Uh, whose secrets am I telling the feds over here in chat? Stop telling our secrets, PJ. I can't help it. I mean, it's declassified now, right? So <laughs> they come up with six candidates. And again, you were asking me this, like how does the army just look through people and be like, you might make a good psychic. (laughs) I don't know. There's stories about some of them. Like there was one guy McGonagall who uh, his whole unit would follow him because he could always tell where danger was. And like he just was really like he never got injured or in traps and everybody that followed him survived through Vietnam. So his unit started thinking the guy was psychic. So it probably came from things like that. I know that's how McGonagall got in. Um, But they had this idea that in year one, they would just establish that remote viewing is possible in year two. They would figure out how to train recruits to harness their abilities, the ways of the Jedi. And then year three, they would develop protocols and put them into action. That was the plan. But two months after it becomes operation grill flame is November 4th of 1979, which is when the U S embassy in Tehran was taken over by student rebels and everyone was held hostage. So this is the Iran hostage crisis. So, See you at the next barbecue. Uh, You guys in chat are great. All right. So (laughs) are you guys familiar with the Iran hostage thing very much? Yes. Under Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that whole thing happens and the national security council decides the first thing they're going to do is call in the psychics. These six people who have not really been trained because their two best guys are gone. They still have um, uh, Ingle in the, Ingle Swan, whatever the frick his name is. So Swan, and he's kind of like leading these people a little bit, but they don't like everybody else pretty fresh. So they spend months working to find out where the hostages are being held, how they're being moved, anything that will help at all. But mostly they're seeing thing. Most of the time when they're seeing things, they're being confirmed by Intel on the ground, and that's kind of the problem with the way this whole thing works is the psychics can be like, hey, we see this and they're like, cool. Let's verify it. And then by the time they verified, it, it's like, well, what good were the psychics? You know what I mean? So it turns out that they're accurate about forty five percent of the time on this particular op um, that they know of, which so is like a weather high. man. Yeah, well, it's no, but it's not like yes or no questions. It's not like is it going to rain or not? It's like specific details. So it's still fairly high if you think about it that way. But these are again, these are all like really fresh recruits and things like that. Um, but it, it's not inspiring a lot of confidence either way. And again, like every time they're confirmed, it's like, yeah, but we had to confirm it by having boots on the ground. So, you know, it's cool, but it's more of a magic. It's a hat. trick. It's a trick. It's not a it's not useful Intel. Um, and but he, but here's the thing, 45 percent of the time, if you're familiar with army Intel, that's actually extremely high. <laughs> so there's a quote from from this operation it says the degree of success seems to be equal, if not surpass other collection methods which I find pretty funny. Uh, That's sad. Yeah. So this thing if you're not if you guys remember this dragged on for many many months and in April the team is working around the clock start November by April they're working around the clock been on this for months and months and months and the results start getting really weird. So in this one week they start having visions of fire and destruction and one guy uh, named Fern says that he sees Americans repelling out of a helicopter in the desert. Then on April 24th, uh, one in the documents only known as Nancy S starts seeing machine guns, fire, destruction, death. Then she sees hundreds of giant gorillas matching with tiny rockets, and she's freaking out. She's absolutely terrified, and she just can't take it anymore. They decide they're going to pull the plug because they think that they've overworked these people to the point of insanity, and they're going to break them that night after they pull the plug after she sees these visions a failed hostage rescue attempt happens and Americans are repelling out of helicopters in the desert people are dying and a helicopter was shot down by guerrilla forces with rocket launchers and they're starting to think did we just find out that our agents can't just remote view destinations they can start seeing the future and this is where things really change at this point Nancy and Fern quit and grill flame starts getting contracted out to a lot of other military operations. What's your thoughts?
2: Again, sounds like the story in the Bible of the, of the girl with the spirit <clears throat> of divination.
0: Right. And the, well, see, it's funny you bring up divination cause they were doing like, I only have time to get into like the remote viewing type stuff, but they were practicing map divination. Some of these guys went on to later get rich off of doing oil divination. So they would like hold a pendulum over a map and it would move in certain spots. They tell oil companies where to go and drill and like make tons of money. <clears throat> so
3: Did they use dowsing rods to do all of that.
0: Can we talk about dowsing rods really quick? Yes. Okay. Yeah, step- okay. Because okay. this is so weird to me. I only recently really found out like I knew what dowsing. I knew what the process of dowsing rods were, uh, but I didn't really I didn't know actually. So I was listening to this thing recently where they're talking. And actually, it's part of this part of this uh, research is. In Vietnam in the 70s, the Marines started using dowsing rods to find underground bunkers. And they were taught how to do this and it had incredibly accurate results, like incredibly incredibly accurate. And then the military's like, "Yeah, that seems like demon shit. Let's stop doing that." Here's the thing though. And I like I didn't know the process of dowsing rods till I listened to this. And what they do is they take two rods in their hand and they walk and then they'll start to move upwards. And as soon as I found that out, I called my dad and I was like, okay, so my dad used to work for a company bearing lines for internet. And one day on the job, this guy shows him this trick and he's like, oh, I'd forgot my whatever thing to see, like how far in the ground this stuff is. So he just pulled two flags, like, you know, those little tiny flags that that you have at a construction site. He pulls them out, rips the flag off, bends them into a, into a, 45 degree, 90 degree angle. And he holds one in each hand and he walks and they come together over top of the line and then he walks. And as soon as I go back straight, he's like that distance from where they were level to where I walked is how deep they are and where they connected is where the line was. It's incredibly accurate. So like I didn't know that that was supposedly some kind of like demonic thing, according to some and I I like I did it once when I was working with them. I was like, oh, let's find this line and we did that and dug down to it. I didn't know that this was like a thing. So I was like, holy smokes is like (laughs) I don't like I don't think it's actually demonic though. Like that's the one where I'm like, I think they think it is, but it seems like there has to be like magnetic things with the earth that it does like right. So like that's one where I was like, I wasn't trying to do weird stuff. I wasn't like. Focusing or like it just always works for lines. It always works for like water mains and electrical lines, things like that. Like tons of like construction workers do this all the time. So I don't think that's demonic. I think it's just been thrown in with the rest.
2: I think it's, it's one of those things where it is a, it is acting according to a scientific law that for whatever reason, the scientific community does not want to recognize because it would maybe call into question other things that we want to say are
1: certain
3: That's fair. That's fair. I mean I don't know a whole lot about it but just the phenomenon itself it seems like it's responding to a magnetic field if you think of electrical lines um, those water mains they often have iron uh, and iron is very responsive to a magnetic field.
0: And they're very thin like you know those flags I'm talking about that are on construction. They're very thin so like uh, it's just something that me and my dad had done on, on construction sites and stuff like that. I never thought of it as something like that but apparently the military couldn't fathom that this could just be like a very easy to explain, you know, scientific magnets, things like that. And they shut down the whole program even though it was helping them find bunkers in Vietnam and possibly saving lives. So really weird. Really weird. So they're
2: afraid of demons.
0: They're well only if it's divining rods, which have a very scientific explanation probably, but they're okay with like Pat Price, like remote view, like demon remote viewing stuff.
3: I like how they're not afraid of Fake demon practice, or they're afraid of the fake demon practice, but not afraid of real de- demonic practices.
0: Right. That's the thing that blows right. my mind about all of this. The only thing they shut down in the 70s was a thing that's almost certainly scientific right. and not like something supernatural.
2: But a scientific thing that threatens our understanding of how science works that would introduce a new scientific law that's so self-evident, I think is scarier to them and to their worldview.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I think you're hundred percent right on that. So I know it's a little bit of a side tangent, but I'm so glad you brought it up because I've been, I was wondering where to, I was going to talk about that on rumble because it just, it was in my mind about this episode. I'm like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, that's just something I've done. I didn't, I didn't even think about it. So yeah, that's apparently what divining rods are. Divining maps is something very different. Divining maps is like you focus on the area. It, it seems mo- more along the lines of most probably spiritual and most probably demonic. So uh, whereas divining rods just seem like reacting to magnets or magnetic fields in the earth and things like that. So, um, really quick, Josh Ragan asks, when are we doing the Revelations part two? Are we shooting for Monday? Is that a possibility for us?
2: I, I think Monday's a, a possibility. I'm I'm doing a community theater thing <clears throat> this this week, so it's going to just depend on how tired I am.
0: Yeah, we'll keep you guys informed. So if you guys go to t.me/hawkhoundmedia that's where you'll find stuff. We'll also put it on like Instagram and on the YouTube channel and stuff like that. So um, yeah, so anyway, after, after all of this happens and Nancy and Fern quit, the plans start to change for operation grill flame. Uh, they start getting contracted by more military operations and they have some success in seeing future events. They actually, they stop just looking at coordinates and testing things. They start really looking to see if they can tell future events. There's a lot of stories here. I'm not, I don't have time to get into, but, but uh, they were able to tell that a a submarine was going to blow up off the coast of Iran, like days before it happened. Uh, And in one story, they gained Intel on a new Russian nuclear submarine, the typhoon class that the hunt for red October was based on. If you guys ever seen that movie, read that book. And it's really interesting story. They were able to tell like what building was being built in, what upgrades were being made to it. And nobody believed them because the building was not connected to the water. Six months later, they drilled, they, they actually TNT to canal from the building to the water and launch this new crazy submarine, which like threatened our national security. Um, But again, like this was the problem is they they would tell them things that were going to happen and they're like, we don't know, like you're only accurate so much the time. Uh, A lot of this is up to interpretation. If you talk like I've listened to a lot of interviews with these people and they are like you could very easily be influenced by people around you. You could be influenced to see things that weren't really there. You started getting confirmation bias. And then you would just maybe you just wanted to see something you would. So it was very not exact. Um, but anyway, the army started thinking, well, the problem isn't that it's an inexact science and it, you know, this and that and the other science, whatever. It's inexact, whatever it is. Uh, they just thought they needed more psychics, that they were overworking these people. So they pressured Ingo Swan to come up with a training program And this huge fight happened for uh, over a decade at this point of can like, do you need people who are born with this ability and to bring it out? Or can you just train anyone? Because the army really, really wanted to believe that this was a sixth sense that everybody had and it was latent and they just had to bring it out that this was not supernatural, that there was nothing weird going on. Let's forget what happened with Pat price and Yuri Geller. This is just, a very normal sixth sense we haven't discovered yet, but they also kind of stopped doing the scientific stuff. It all became about let's put a guy in a room and then a control guy next to him to try to get him on target because we want results. So it became way more results oriented than research oriented at this point. And that kind of held back the understanding of it. like, let's say if you actually believe this is a scientific phenomenon, that it is some latent thing, whatever that it's not spiritual and demonic and whatever they weren't researching that either. They stopped looking to e- extremely low frequency. They stopped like they stopped all of that. They were just trying to get results because of the army, this is the CIA. They just wanted to weaponize this thing. And then things get weird. Uh, Stubblebine is this guy who takes over the program in 1983 with a lot of new ideas. He thinks that psychic spies are too stressed. So he starts sending them to this retreat called the Monroe Institute. This is ran by a guy well, hold on side note really quick. I watched the movie men who stare at goats last night. It's worthless. It, 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 the book and the movie are worthless in this. They just combine a lot of bullshit and there's like tiny little bits of truth that are so not helpful that it actually almost confused me on this case. And I had to do more research day, today to like not get confused. That movie's just entirely wrong. It mixes up this Fort Bragg program called like the new earth army with Stubblebine. They call him Hooper and it's, it's a mess. I, I don't recommend it because um, I know I some remember, people be like, "Oh, this is where oh, those men who stare at goats." What you're going to get into? No, it's not. That movie's end book are freaking wrong in every way.
2: <laughs> I really <laughs> loved the author of the book, and I enjoyed the book, but it was it was all over the place. It was very chaotic.
0: It was also so gonzo that you could like, if you really think about it, it's it total bull crap Like most of it was was bullcrap, uh, especially all the ending stuff. It was all like at that point, it was it, like he's basically like it's true in essence it was probably an enjoyable book, but it just was, it's not helpful to understanding what really happened. Um, so anyway, they start sending the, the, some of the soldiers, to this place called the Monroe Institute for this thing they call rapt or RAP, rapid acquisition, personal training where they would train soldiers to reach new higher states of consciousness by basically doing guided meditation, step one through 21 over the course of a week. Uh, and they were listening to tapes made by this guy named Robert Monroe that ran the Monroe Institute. And <laughs> This guy was weird. Um, he believed that he could induce out of body experiences by having these tapes where they'd have like two different notes, like a, two different pitches and that in your head, it would mix them and find this secret third pitch and it'd open up your third eye and you could leave your body and do this weird out of, it became very hippie new age Hindu stuff. Right. Um, and this guy, like this guy was so weird that Puharik, his friend said he was a quack and that all happened after his wife called Puharik to be like, what's going on with my husband? He said, he said that last night he was laying in bed and he wanted to have sex with me so bad that he had an out of body experience and had sex with people in the, like with all of these spirits in the sky. <laughs> and he just has this, like, why would you tell your wife? He's like, yeah, I cheated on you with a bunch of out of body, like spirit people.
1: <laughs>
2: Men. Am I right? Men, yes. <laughs>
0: it's the guy's freaking weird. Um, He's like, yeah, I cheated on you last night, but it it was really casual, you know, just orgies with spirits, (laughs) Um, just a weird guy. So (laughs) and stubblebine, he was kind of a quack too. He would hold all these spoon bending parties. And according to stubblebine, he was able to get like an 80% success rate of everybody at his parties to start bending spoons with their minds. Uh, And he also he also thought that he could walk through walls. So (laughs) guy was guy was kind of weird. And this is where things really start to go wrong. Two months after he uh, began uh, this whole wrapped training, a soldier lost his mind. He took off his shirt in the middle of the training and threatened to kill the doctor with a ballpoint pen. And this forced General Sullivan into retirement. So by 1984, the whole program got canceled Luckily for them, I guess two years later, it was revived and made a part of the DIA. So this was a c- army and then it was, it's gone around, but it was army slash CIA. Now it's a DIA de- department uh, defense anyway. Uh, so it stopped at this point. They stopped trying to train all the soldiers. They stopped believing that you could just train anyone. And they started focusing on already gifted psychics like Angela de la Fiora, who believed she was a psychic from birth. She claimed to have a third eye And she played with tarot cards and performed seances for stubblebine and all of these, like it was really weird. And she was not liked because a lot of these people wanted to believe that this was scientific. They wanted to believe that this was a latent ability that everybody had. And she would just come in and she's like doing all this demonic seances and tarot cards. And she was like Pat price though, extremely gifted, extremely tuned in with, you know, whatever demons were guiding her. Um, and then, then the program gets taken over by a guy named Ed Dames, and this is where the project really started to meet its end. Uh, this is where they moved from confirmable targets to unknown targets. He was very into UFOs and all of the myths, and he started having people remote view Atlantis area 51 Roswell and the Ark of the covenant. And I listened to a guy who was tasked to yeah, we'll, we'll be heading over to rumble soon. It's almost over. Um, Will we the, I listened to an uh, interview with a guy who was tasked to remote view the Ark of the Covenant, and he says that when he got there, he basically saw this giant like angelic being that like knew things about him and stuff. It was really weird, um, but you know, all these people were like into it. They thought they were really viewing Atlantis and things like that, but it's really weird because I mean, who knows what like you, there's no confirmable way to say they were viewing anything or if it was just like made up or if they were being tricked or whatever. Uh, but I think a lot of this was born out of boredom because like that was a huge problem with this. Like it was the most hurry up and wait organization ever in the military. They would just like they do remote viewings and then they'd sit around and like have nothing to do. People like getting second jobs they weren't supposed to have. They're like painting on the walls and taking up taekwondo. Like they didn't do a lot of work. Um. So anyway, they started contracting for other agencies outside of DIA approval and in 1991 this was renamed Project Stargate got to the title we're almost there guys in 1993 dames and one of his remote viewers named David Morehouse started working on a book even though the project was still highly classified and I guess the book uh, David Morehouse eventually did release a book in 2000. So I don't like some people say the book got scrapped. I think he just was like told you cannot release this and then in 2000 the declassification happened so he released it um and in 1994 dames got in a lot of trouble this is this spelled the end for project stargate he was brought up in a court martial for assault adultery sleeping with one of his soldiers wives and stealing army computers and he's screwed at this point <laughs> like really screwed and he goes for the insanity plea so what do you think would happen if you were working for this top secret organization? You given a try to go for the insanity plea.
2: I think it would work.
0: You think it would? It didn't though. It didn't work. He did not get off with an insanity plea, but it actually backfired and he basically got the whole program shut down because they're like, Oh, now we got to look into whatever the hell they're doing over here at Project Stargate. So it's weird that like there he's he's so insane. There has to be something wrong with this, but also screw this guy. He's not getting off an insanity plane. <laughs> so there is an investigation that was held. I uh, was ordered at this point. The CIA resumed control of the project and they ordered a full investigation from an outside group called American Institutes for Research. And this investigation was extremely rushed. They had two months to review 23 years of research which they couldn't do. So they only looked at evidence of the program's usefulness by what had been done over the last year, 1994 to 1995, which was under dames odd leadership. And they only looked at 10 experiments of, of all of that. Like, so 23 years of all this crazy stuff, things I don't even have time to get into. Again, I would suggest reading Annie Jacobson's book, but this investigation was led by a guy named Ray Hyman, who was a psychologist that in 1972 was on that team from the DOD that reviewed the work at SRI. And he was convinced in 1972 that this was all a fraud. So this guy was very much not partial. He tried to get SRI funding pulled in 72. Now he's in charge of leading the investigation into the unit. But alongside of him is a woman named Jessica Uts U-T-T-S, Uts. She was a parapsychologist. And this is the conclusion that they came to. And I'm going to read this to you guys. And then we'll head over to rumble talk, ask questions. We'll even give Abby a chance to speak. I'm sorry. We're an hour and 15 minutes in and I was like rushing to get here. So I apologize. There's so much here. Uh, So here's our conclusion, right? Hyman wrote, uh, he noted that the experiments appear to be free of the more obvious and better known flaws that can be invalidate that can invalidate the results of parapsychological investigations and that there are significant effect sizes too large and consistent to be dismissed as statistical flukes. However, he stopped short of concluding that the existence of the anomalous cognition has been established. So he basically says, yeah, like we can't explain this away, even off of these 10 things that were done under a psychopath who's looking for Atlantis, like they're still getting results. Um, but I'm just not going to say it's that it works. Uh, he also goes on to basically say there's no usefulness to it is kind of his belief, but I think he just had it out for him. And then we got Jessica. Yutz, who's a parapsychologist. So she's kind of biased in the other direction to be fair. And, She says that using the standards applied to any other area of science, it is concluded that psychic functioning has been well-established. The statistical results of the studies examined are far beyond what is expected by chance arguments that these results could be due to methodological flaws in the experiments are soundly refuted effects of similar magnitude to those found in government sponsored research at SRI and SAIC have been replicated at a number of laboratories across the world. Such consistency cannot be readily explained by claims of flaws or fraud. So they both agree that it kind of works, but the Stargate project was terminated in 1995. And this was the final conclusion that was from each of them. This was the final conclusions. Last thing I'm going to read. And then I want to hear you guys thoughts. We'll head over to rumble. So according to the Stargate project, it was terminated and they said this, the foregoing observations provide a compelling argument against continuation of the program within the intelligence community. Even though a statistically significant effect has been observed in the laboratory, it remains unclear whether the existence of a paranormal phenomena remote viewing has been demonstrated demonstrated. The laboratory studies do not provide evidence regarding the origins of nature of the phenomena, assuming it exists, nor do they address an important methodological issue of interjudge reliability. Further, even if it could be demonstrated unequivocally, that a paranormal phenomena occurs under the conditions present in the laboratory paradigms. These conditions have limited applicability. This is what I think was the main thing that is like 20 plus years of this going on this is what keeps coming back is that for utility, for intelligence gathering operations, for example, the nature of remote viewing targets are vastly dissimilar. As for the specific tasks required other remote viewers, most importantly, the information provided by remote viewing is vague and ambiguous, making it difficult, if not impossible for the technique to yield information of sufficient quantity and accuracy of information for actionable intelligence. Thus, we conclude that the continued use of remote viewing and in intelligence gathering operations is not warranted. So they basically are like, yeah, even if you're right, we don't know. And then we have to verify it. So it's kind of useless. So, what's your thoughts?
2: I think it's kind of scary, for one. And then you need, with any type of prophecy, which is what that is, right? Right. It, yeah. It, it could be coming from, you know, a good place or a bad place, but it's still prophecy. You need faith, and then you need discernment. You need somebody listening to it and saying that doesn't sound quite right. That. <clears throat> You know, I think you kind of need a two person team as far as profits go, at least with with the person who's seeing the thing and then the person who's kind of verifying it in the spiritual realm and just saying, hey, does this sound right? Or does this sound like something that maybe got interfered with?
0: That's what's interesting is they did actually use two person teams for this. So the problem, I think, I mean, that's like everything you said is entirely true. I think the thing is. On one side, they weren't studying anything because they couldn't do double-blind tests anymore because they wanted results. On the other side, like think about who's leading this. You've got you've got people in this program who are Mormons, who are Christians, who are Hindus, who are everything, and everybody's coming in with their different beliefs. Some people seem to be very clearly influenced by demons. Yuri Geller, Pat Price, uh, whatever the girl's name was, Angela, whatever. They all seem to be very clearly influenced by demons. There's other people I've listened to interviews with that are practicing Catholics, practicing Christians that don't believe they were. But if you're being led by a team of like whatever, like where's your spiritual guidance? Where like how are you having exactly what you said? Like I actually don't think that every part of this was demonic. I think some of these people very possibly could have been um, prophetic in other ways could have had a gift of prophecy in a not demonic way, but again, like in a, in a, in an organization like this, that's not led by a church or spiritual leader. Like they could have been deceived just as much as everybody else. And I think that at the end of the day is what it comes down to. Right. Is like, do you want the army trying to like do spiritual warfare for the American people? Nope. Nope. I don't. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't trust it. So,
2: but at the same time, you know that other armies are, you know, that, that, Iraq and Afghanistan are serving a law and I mean, ultimately Allah is going to beat a disorganized atheistic force.
0: Right. And unfortunately, I mean, that's what America is today. I, I, I don't see how we people don't understand, like see America as of largely, I don't know, atheistic might not even be the word almost, <laughs> almost in a worse way. Like we've talked about this before, but it seems like, as a whole, our country is more apt to gather by the millions for demonic ceremonies at the Grammys than they are to gather for a church ceremony for a Billy Graham thing or anything like that.
2: Right. By the way, I think a lot is Aries.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, we should talk about all of that over on rumble here in a minute. Um, Any final thoughts you want to give before we head over there and just uh, chat with people. And again, I apologize for like talking a million miles a minute. There's a lot of information to get through, Um, but I think that we've set it up for really interesting conversation that we can have with the audience. And I want to hear your thoughts, Jess and your thoughts, Abby, I guess. Um, <laughs> any final thoughts before we do that?
2: Um, let me just read this Bible passage from act 16 that we've been, um, referencing. So it's act 16, 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gained by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, (laughs) turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And then we get into the story of how they escape from prison because an angel comes and frees them. So
0: Nice. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. I appreciate that. All right. Well, I want to hear what you guys think. I'm going to look through your chats and see what you guys write over on uh, Rumble and Odyssey. We will see you guys over there in just a minute. And if you're listening to this later uh, on the audio version, you can obviously come to Rumble and see the whole show. You can come join us live on a Wednesday night on YouTube, on Rumble, on Twitch, on Odyssey, or you can go to conspiracypill.locals.com and you can get the full audio podcast for free. And if you want to support us, we're going to be doing more bonus unhinged content. I've got an episode coming up this week with Katie Zeb. We're going to record tomorrow. I'm pretty sure as long as Abby's able to, we're going to have another episode next week. Uh, So send us in your guys' favorite conspiracy-related TikToks. I've got a inbox full of them. We'll be going through those and and commenting on them because that's one of my favorite things we do every month. And we will see you guys next time. God bless.